Hey everybody, this is Eric Wright of the Disco Posse Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I definitely want to bring out some fun stuff today. I had a great conversation with Larry Smith Jr. Uh, Larry's uh, one of those folks who's a good friend uh, and a good community leader, somebody who's really taught me a ton of stuff, both technically and personally. So it was a real adventure for us to be able to have a deep discussion on kind of how we approach learning, how sometimes you need to help others to really help yourself. And also, this is just something that was really fun and you really will thoroughly enjoy this. It's a kind of nice trip in the Wayback Machine for folks that are have been in tech for a while. So Larry covers a lot. With that, we're going to get started with our conversation with Larry Smith Jr. And also, we had the most fun trying to record our intro so there's nothing better than hearing that as it unpacked live when we got started. With that, enjoy the show. Hey, this is Larry Smith Jr. And we are here with Eric from this, or I don't know, let's start that one over. See, I was trying to get creative, man, and I screwed the whole shit up. <laughs> I think that may be my, my, my perfect intro right there. <laughs> hey, let's do it. That'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hey, this is Larry Smith, and we are on the Disco Posse podcast. All right, we are really lucky today because we're talking with somebody who I've had a monstrous respect for and I've learned a ton from you know there's the amazing thing about this podcast is I've been able to bring conversations that I've had in the past back forward uh, and there are certain sort of evergreen topics and there are evergreen people uh, so this is this is one of those people Larry Smith Jr. who for folks that don't uh, already know where to find you online, Larry, uh, what's the best place to reach you? I know I'm, I'm a Twitter man, so uh, I know it, it's, <laughs> that's yeah. usually the best spot, but where, where do we find you uh, if we want to reach out? You know, generally, you know, um, the best place to find me is on GitHub. I mean, uh, I'm usually pretty quiet on Twitter. You guys probably know occasionally I'll get on a little rant um, or anything like that. But um, my Twitter handle is at M-E-R. Here we go again. It is too <laughs> early. It is too early, man. Um, it's at Mr. Ellie Smith Jr. Um, as well as GitHub is github.com slash Mr. Ellie Smith Jr. And I also blog at everything should be virtual.com. Um, my blog is pretty light over the honestly over the last couple of years, but my GitHub is probably where you would find the most stuff. GitHub or it didn't happen, right? <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm gonna talk to about this is as community as code. Uh, this is kind of a, yeah, man. Uh, this is what I believe is one of the most interesting things, especially that's come to fruition lately. You know, and here we are uh, in the throes of coronavirus. We're on a backlog for when this will actually go out. So we may have all died by the time we, uh, <laughs> we published <laughs> exactly. this. Uh, it, was, it was nice knowing everybody. Exactly. Uh, may the next, the, may the, the next in memoriam world episode. find it. <laughs> the i i only i joke of my typical gallows humor but um obviously this is a tough situation and you know what we look at is you know how community 
in in-person events have led to different ways that people can interact. And, and I talk about community as code because I believe that this is really where a lot of the world in technology folks is moving. And it used to be just learning how to do things. Like we didn't have install wizards when you and I came exactly. up. Exactly. And so we, when we read blogs and we wrote oh, blogs, yeah. it was how to do the hard yards of like deploying things. And it was much more like we were the install wizards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny you say that and, I, and hopefully I didn't just cut you off, which I just did. So, you know, hey, um, I was actually just talking about this yesterday with someone. Um, and it was all about, you know, why do I do what I do, right? This is one of the things we try to answer for all of ourselves, right? Is, you know, in the 90s, when I started using Linux in college, you know, I've said this before to a couple of folks, I actually started writing my own operating system and then got hooked on Linux. I was like, I don't have time for all that. But one of the things that drove me to where I'm at is that I always wanted good documentation around open source. And it wasn't just that the documentation needed to be tight. How could we script it? How can we automate it, right? And then I got into infrastructure, but I always still stayed in that open source world. But that's what drove to blogging and, and things like that. And I had attempted it years and years before, but I was just like, I'm just, I can't write HTML. So I was like, I can't do that. But that's where we're at, right? And you're, you're hitting on the point. Like I said, I just had this conversation um, is, is that's why I still do it. Because I've, I'm actually working on some stuff right now and I'm trying to figure out trying to find documentation, you know, we, no matter how many skills we have, we always go to Google. It's and a, it's a magical place. Isn't it? it absolutely <laughs> is. But the thing that still pisses you off is you go and look for something. You're like, yeah, that's great. But where's the part I'm looking for? Right. And you start looking, you might find a piece here and a piece there. And that, that applies to a lot of things, but that's why when, when I say put it in code and what you're talking about is very passionate in my world. Right. Is I want repeatable stuff, no matter what it is. It could be documentation. I don't care. So I'm going to stop there before I ramble too much. No, this is this is the beginning of of exactly where we want to roll, right? Like documentation mm -hmm. uh, in it in and of itself is probably one of the most underserved portions of of the industry, and this is how blogging came to be. Yeah, because absolutely. we were the documentation, like the bloggers of the world, the forum commenters of the world, we were building documentation, but in distributed, disconnected chunks. And so you were filling gaps that was, you know, only accessible via search. Yes. But now there is such a, a strong move. And I was a part of the documentation project for OpenStack, yep. which was one of the most amazing things because we we fought this sort of real good good battle of like saying hey look we need to, who do we need to build for yep. and this was the know your customer kyc that's what they yep. call it in the financial world like if you don't know who you're building for then you're in real trouble to start with and the biggest struggle i found with the openstack documentation community was there was this dichotomy, like they were truly just divided. Yeah. Of, absolutely. well, we shouldn't be documenting 
you know, bought for building with pre-packaged, you know, any, any of the bits should not be packaged. Everything should be built from source. Yeah. And I said, well, tell you what, that's great. Cause you're a contributor, you're a developer, yes. but yeah. if you want this bad boy to get off the ground, yep. then guess what? You're targeting people that don't live in code hundred percent. So we need to build for package deployments. Yeah, we need to absolutely. do that stuff. And it was so funny that it was literally like warring factions yeah. in this community. And I said like, cause I've done it. I've literally every time open a new OpenStack distribution would come out, I would test it from yep. ground up. I would follow the documentation line for line and where it would fail, I would contribute back yep. the fixes. And, and it was weird that they were like, but it should just, it work. I'm like, man, you are the, you are not yeah. the target audience. Yeah. And I did the same, you know, and I think if I recall going back years ago, I think that's how I actually got in contact with you and Cody. Um, do you remember when Cody was doing like the couch, to open stack? And I think you were a part of that as well. Were you not? That's it. Sad. Yeah. I, I was there were like I was, three of us that would meet like at a weekly basis and we would use vagrant and do all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Cody Bunch <laughs> for folks that, uh, if you don't know Cody, he is, uh, definitely <laughs> another, a person who really personifies Absolutely. community as code and, and community as just as, as a, the thrust of, of what gets him going. And yep. it's really, really cool. Yeah. Cody's uh, a great guy to play off of guys. I, you know, and Cody, you probably hear this someday, you know, me and Cody communicate a couple times a week. Um, you know, just on different things. We actually are over the last, um, I started a project. I'm actually going to talk about it with Ned. I mentioned, I'm going to be on Ned and the cloud here later on this afternoon as well. Or day two, day two, day two cloud. Yeah. 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 With Ned Bellavance, who I was lucky enough to chat with. Ned's a super good human. And, uh, I had him on the podcast recently and I'm actually doing, it was funny. I, this is, so this is the, and I I don't mean to derail where you're heading with this. So this is cool. We, this is the, the importance of going out and being involved and reading and listening because Absolutely. the more I like, I listen to day two cloud. I I've, I've actually listened to a lot of stuff and I watched some of, of Ned's content on plural site. He does a ton of great stuff with HashiCorp. I yep. built a, a course for nomad, uh, which you will talk about in, oh, in a yeah, little bit too. And you, that. you actually, you actually set me right on my, on my code itself. I actually uh, have some stuff waiting for you too. So, oh, we'll talk <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I, here I was like literally, sort of chasing Ned through this different stream. And then round we go in the circle of IT life. I'm working on a project through work and and I see this name pop up on a Zoom window and it's like Ned Bellavance. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and someone says, oh, this is this is Ned, you know, um, you you, uh, I don't know if you know each other and, and he's, we're just smiling. He was, yeah, we, he was just on my podcast the other day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, funny story so that is, actually, it is that, funny that we cycle back. Yeah. That it's actually funny. You say that, I, that actually happened to me, um, at, at my place of work. Um, I got an email one day They were like, Hey, there's this, there's this thing that's going around. It's a webinar. Would you be interested in checking it out? And I looked at it and it was you, Eric. And I'm like, oh, of course. I'm like, I know that guy. And they were like, what? <laughs> well, we never did it, but you know, hey. <laughs> it, it is a, uh, and really, so again, just like the, 
you'll see this theme continue to come back oh, yeah. that where we where we go out and and create content by listening to who needs to to receive that content yeah, like absolutely. it's customer obsession truly like if we took that amazon phrasing right is my customer obsession is the person that that doesn't know how to do it i my big right. content target is 101 right yeah, absolutely people always sort of like why don't you do the advanced you know course on whatever i'm like because that's the hardest audience, the most difficult group to target because it's very, it thins up really fast. And it does, you know, that's why you never find there's no such thing as an advanced PowerShell course. Like no, Microsoft exactly. doesn't do it because there isn't one. Yep. You are literally, you're sitting beside Snover, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. that's advanced PowerShell. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny you say that too. And, and ironically, you know, how everything just kind of ties together um, is that, Speaking of like uh, people as code and documentation as code and things like that, um, one of the things I've been working on over the last couple of weeks is version control. Um, not for myself, but that 101. And it's literally being able to take. Um, so, what my target, you know, talking about how you need to understand what your target audience is what I kind of put myself into is that kind of the journey I went on about five plus years ago. And that was going from, you know, I go back to that. I originally was in computer science and I was a coder back in the nineties and dropped out. Um, then I went down the infrastructure, you know, and five plus years ago is when I started getting really heavy into to automation. And prior to that, and I'm going back to where I was going, I'm just kind of laying this out. Um, you, cause I want to touch on a couple things. The other part you were talking about, like source, uh, like building from source. One of the first projects I really started on that I put on GitHub, believe it or not, I think it was the first time I opened a GitHub account was for Greylog. And I worked with Lenart from uh, the, the founder of Greylog. And I scripted out a lot of the, the installation. And at the time it was, the whole point was, this is really hard it is really hard to build this thing and get it working. So I ended up doing shell scripts and, and actually this was pre Ansible puppet chef, blah, blah, blah. Being able to stitch together the, the components to build out the gray log installation for Ubuntu and et cetera. And that ended up turning into an, a, like a virtual appliance. And I actually just found the email or message that me and Lenart were talking about. And this was, goes back years ago where he was actually spending a good part of the weekend uploading the virtual appliance AWS so people could consume it. Um, so anyway, so fast forward, you know, going into the journey that I got into was trying to learn version control myself. And, you know, being able to, and I made this comment a while back on Twitter, I was like, you know, I, I wanna be more of a mentor um, because, you know, I, you know, Eric, you're like myself, we do this stuff day in and day out Things can be hard for us as well, but there are a lot of people that really, really need mentoring because I feel like just personally, I didn't have a good mentor to go to, um, to learn these things. So what I've done as over the last couple of weeks is I've started working on kind of one-on-one -on -one version control and building it out from a perspective of, I know nothing. And I want to use my kids as kind of the guinea pigs because if they can understand it, 
I, I feel like I've done a good job, right? So, so kind of the content of the way it is, is it goes into a level of what is version control? What is Git? That all sounds familiar. But where I take them is baby step up to the bigger things, walking through, actually doing it. Command line, doing a local repository before ever having a clone. They don't even do a clone. They initialize a repository, they go through and they do all these things. But what they end up doing is actually getting into a scenario. So you walk from doing it local and you get into a scenario where you actually hook into uh, a remote repository and you actually get a merge conflict. And I get them in that and actually walk them through how to get out of that um, and et cetera. So it just kind of goes from there and then eventually they make their way up and actually do um, a fork and then a pro you know, be able to do some commits and open a merge request or a pull request depending on GitLab or GitHub. And I actually go through both. Um, so I know I just went on a little bit of a boop, but it kind of plays all into that whole thing of how do I step back in where I've been? Because I really was going so like hell bent for so long that over the last probably two years, I've kind of started stepping back a bit because number one, I wanted to not be so far ahead that it wasn't, you almost make yourself irrelevant, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it's, this is the, <laughs> I, I, the example that I, I give people is, uh, it's, it's a muscle memory, right? It's, a, yeah. it's basically a neuromuscular type of response. And, and that's the physical example I always show them is, have you ever seen like somebody that like fan out a card deck? So like you just yeah. hold the deck and you, and you like run your finger around and fan. And I, and I learned how to do this, right? Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I have a bunch of weird obsessions in my life. One was to learn some, a couple of neat card tricks. And so I learned how to fan a deck. And I remember the first, the first bunch of times you do it, it's horrifying. There's just cards flying everywhere. You, it looks, it just looks like, it just looks so terrible. And yeah. it, it's really difficult because it's physically difficult to learn how to do it smoothly, learn the right pressure, whatever. Yeah. Well, you, you know, fast forward, literally doing it probably, I'd say thousands of times. I, I kid you not, I, I sat for the course of like three months and just sat when I was sitting still, I would just do it and whatever. And now I can do uh, what would one would call a perfect fan. So I just hold nice. it and just like swing it out and it looks, looks, it looks neat. That's and, awesome. But you know, what's funny is I can't not do it now. Oh, there you go. So yeah, I'm broken because I don't know how to. So if I show something like this is how it's going to look when you start, I physically cannot do it because I can't unlearn yes. what I did. And this is the biggest thing that we face is that people say, well, it just makes sense. Like, no, it doesn't. It does not just nothing. make sense. Nope. Nothing does. Right. And, and you're right. I mean, it's all on how we look at things and it, we're all the same. I mean, everybody's the same, but you're right. I mean, you, you get into that mode and being able to step back and try to understand how to take content and put it in a format that someone can easily learn from. It's more so, you know, it's really hard to uh, it's not hard to explain. I guess I'm trying to say it is hard to explain, but it's really, it's being able to take yourself back to that beginning where, Hey, what did it look like when I was doing this? Um, and we're always learning, right? And we all do that. We all learn, we all um, move ahead. We progress in our, in our, our skills, our abilities and what we're doing, et cetera. I mean, I leave things on GitHub that are like 
five plus years old. And I go back and look at it. I'm like, man, that was the worst shit I ever <laughs> wrote in my life. And it drives me insane because my wife, she laughs at me. And I'm like, my OCD kicks in. She's like, you're the most unorganized person that I know. And I am accepting code. Um, and this again goes back to in code, I want things organized. Now somebody might go to my GitHub and look at it and please tell me, man, you do that wrong. Cause I'm always looking to get better. Right. Um, and you know, I've had those conversations where like, well, I'm afraid to put stuff in public. I'm afraid to put stuff on GitHub because I write terrible code. Um, but it's, it's awful. I don't want people to be, I'm like, just put it out there. How else are you going to get better? I, I should, that, that would be my, like my tagline on GitHub should purveyor of terrible code. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Same here, man. <laughs> yeah. But it, it becomes the thing of you, you, that you'd never get better if you don't do half ass. Like if exactly. you don't go halfway, you never get all the way. It's, it's the, uh, there was a joke and this is, I'll give it's a very Canadian joke because this is the, you know, <laughs> we get lost in that people don't realize how far and how good they are because they're afraid to kind of and the joke was always there's three people that are looking across and they see an island and they need to see if like we can i swim over there and and you know can i make it to this island and so there's a guy from toronto and there's a guy from vancouver and there's a guy from <laughs> from uh, newfoundland and this is my newfoundland joke so if you're from newfoundland i apologize <laughs> and it says so they they call them newfies right that's our everybody's got their you know right. their their they're, they're folks in the country that they make fun of. And, and unfortunately, Newfoundlanders take it. So it says, you know, the first guy, you know, from, from Toronto, he's like, ah, I can do this. I'm, I'm aggressive. You know, we're the center of the country, center of the world. I could go there. And he, may, he makes it about a quarter of the way and, he, and then he swims back. It's like, I, I couldn't make it. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it across there. And then the, the next guy, he gets to the, uh, you know, gets out in the water he's from Vancouver. And he's like, hey, I'm from the West Coast. I'm, I'm, I'm active. I can do this. He gets about a third of the way. And then he, he realizes he's not going to make it. He turns around. He swims back. And the Newfoundlander gets out there and he's like, all right, bye. I'm from the, I'm from the ocean. I can do this. And he goes out <laughs> and he makes it three quarters of the way across. And then he turns around and comes back and he says, no, nah, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> <laughs> three quarters away <laughs> exactly <laughs> but so this is this thing is people don't realize yeah. that they are almost there and yeah. the only mm -hmm. way to get there is to to go there like you yeah. just, it's so it's it's tough because it's hard to get people to take that first step yeah and i think this is why the uh understanding the empathy of their experience yep is what makes great documenters coders, yep. community leaders, coaches, mentors. It is being able to remember and truly like live the experience in your mind for a moment yep. that you don't know what you know already. Yep, exactly. And you know something ironic or funny or however you want to say it. And, you know, one of the other things, you know, over the last few months that I've kind of been trying to, you know, we're all getting, we're not getting younger for sure. Um, trying to figure out where can I be of some help? Um, because, you know, again, going back, like I was saying in the beginning, you know, stepping back a bit, um, kind of slowing down to make sure that you can fine tune some things, let the industry pick up a bit. Um, you know, those types of things that allow you to focus on, 
things you do really well and things that you don't do well at all and being able to fine tune those. Um, one of those things that I've really been trying to really get a grasp on is being able to contribute more in a different way. Right. Um, because you know, one of those things, you know, number one, like I said in the beginning, I'm relatively quiet and per not in person. My God, if, you, if you've <laughs> met me in person before people know, especially give me a beer shit. I'll talk all night. Um, the, the thing that I'm not big on social media, you, you know, you'll see me post things occasionally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just, I don't know. It's different, right? I'm more of a extrovert by all means. Um, being able to get in front of people and talk and being able to actually have conversation that's two-way dialogue. I don't want to be the one always talking, which people are like, yeah, right. When you start talking, you just don't want, you know, you don't stop. But the point is, is I'm trying to look for different avenues of getting information, right? And it's either validating um, a concept you might be working on or something else, right? But what I'm getting at is one of the things that I think a lot of us do, and, we're, and it, we do it by nature, right? Is we automatically tag a human as a thing, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, <laughs> we, we are code. <laughs> exactly. And that's my point is I think that a lot, and I hear this a lot when I meet people for the first time, they're like, oh, you're that guy that does automation. Well, yeah, and that, that and probably a thousand different other things too, you know. Um, but being able to define what you do goes back to what you're saying. Being able to perfect in your own little world on what you do well and be able to share that rather than being a hermit and holding and hurting all that stuff. Like I said before, put it on GitHub, put it on GitLab, put it in public, put it on a blog. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Put it out there. Let people consume it and validate what you are actually working on. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Don't get hurt. It's like code review. You know, years ago when I started, you know, I worked on a very large project a couple of years ago. Um, I talk about this a lot. It was a massive um, multi-data center deployment container platform from zero to a thousand, you know, completely automated networking gear all the way to Docker containers. Oh, good Lord. It was everything. Ceph was involved, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the hardest part of that wasn't the technical problems, right? We all say that. We all hear that all the time. The technical problems are easy. The people problems are the things that will keep you up at night, at least me, um, because I'm always looking for how can I make this more consumable by someone else? And it could be, hey, I'm stuck with this problem, but I'm so focused on trying to solve this problem. I don't want to hear what anybody says. Being able to just take a breath, listen to those around you, and actually listen and take that information and try to make sense of it. It's either going to make sense or it's not right. The whole point is being able to trigger and take a break and understand how your brain works in those scenarios. Right. The, the neat thing about what you're getting to is it's actually, it's, there's a thing called more of X paradox. And this is the, 
the our will robots take my job <laughs> exactly and but the funny thing about Morvex paradox is actually a series of of uh, intellectuals who would come up with this this idea that in fact the most complex things are the easiest to yeah. automate yes and yet there are things so if you look at you know like alphago as a great example right alphago is was phenomenally and it was incredible. It could beat the greatest, you know, Go players uh, in the world. Uh, same with, you know, look at Deep Blue with being able to to go against Kaspersky and uh, not Kaspersky, goodness gracious, Kasparov. <laughs> um, well, that's right. You said Deep Blue, and I'm thinking Deep Purple. So you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so to be able to be the greatest chess player in the universe. Yeah. yeah. But yet, if you ask it to you know, play go, it would die there. It just can't do it. And so this neat thing that the, the paradox, more of X paradox talks about the idea that the most complex things are easy to automate because they're actually a set of complex steps that can be, Repeated. that can be allocated into repeatable steps. Yeah. The most simple things that like, say like a four-year-old recognizing a human face, that's yeah. really difficult to yeah. automate. So AI very much not going to come for the things that you and I do on a day-to-day basis that we don't realize we do. But what it will do is it will automate the complex stuff. And this is why we need to do it for ourselves, right? Because yes. we don't have AI that's kind of going to come and do our jobs for us, but we can do our jobs for us by taking that complex, awful stuff and yep. then automating it. So then we can actually bring the focus to the thing that actually isn't repeatable which is the human interactions the human. Yes. And, and, and that side of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. And that's one of those things is, is being able to identify um, where those gaps are, right. Being able to understand we all get in that cycle. So, you know, the, being able to identify when somebody's struggling with what they're doing and how do you actually approach that? You know, there are individuals and I'm not going to throw names out that I, that, um, you know, worked with I'll say that in the past where they're like like super super smart but they're human skills and we all know this because I mean what is the what is the percentage of what we do um, of people that are introverts and are very bad communicators probably really right. high um, just the way that they would ask questions or etc would completely ruin the mood of a whole environment, right? You could have a whole room of people and that one comment just completely derails the whole mentality. Of the, yeah. I know a lot of really mean? smart people who probably wouldn't pass a Turing test. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. the reality because they're so, it's almost as if like they're, there's an enhanced portion of the brain that stole yeah. from another. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it is, it's a, it's a challenge of, of personality being given up towards and it's not that they don't have a personality but the interactions yeah between people aren't native aren't natural because right. they just they don't think that way they think in code they think they can do incredible things they can learn yep. language you know in an evening uh you know but yet they can't converse with a random stranger at a coffee shop exactly and mike you know i you know me being me my, my, my kids, you know, from the time they were very little, they would always go, daddy, why do you talk to just random people when you go out in public? I'm like, they all have a story, right? 
I, I want to communicate with people. I want to understand. I mean, they, they were like, you just talk to random people, like go in the grocery store. I'm like, yeah. But I'm like, sometimes pay attention to what people are doing. You know, body language, things like that. Understand, hey, that person looks like maybe they just need somebody to say hi, right? We live in a really world, as we all know. Being able to go up to them and just approach them and say, how are you doing today? Could make a complete difference in their in their their day, right? I mean, or life for that matter. Um, but kind of going back to even like the kid thing, you know, my my I have two daughters, and you know, they're my oldest is in her second year of college now. My youngest is getting ready to start college in the next couple months. Um, I I used to spend a lot of time with with my kids, and and I'm sure we all do that. Um, I had the dream, like all, all of us do that, Hey, maybe I can offload this stuff to my children, but I also didn't want to force them to do it. Um, but what I would do is, is take them and whiteboard with them because what I did from that was how can I make this understandable to them to where they're like, Oh, what about this? You don't think that way. We don't think anymore. Kind of going back to your card trick. We don't think like a four or five year old anymore, right? How do we understand what that next thing is if we don't have that view of I'm I've got a clean slate? Does that make sense? So my my youngest daughter Well it's critical um, thinking, right? That's really it what is. it is. And it's it's yeah, critical it's, thinking because they don't know the answer. They legitimately are seeking it out. And we because we know we think we know the answer, we don't do critical thinking anymore exactly. as we gain as we age. Exactly. And what I would do with specifically my younger, my youngest daughter, she would be more, uh, she would be more likely to actually kind of dive into what I was working on, even though she would say from the beginning, daddy, you just cuss too much. I don't want to hear all that. So (laughs) I don't want to do that thing where I have to cuss a lot. I'm like, okay, that's fair. You know, you know, but, but what I would do with her is like when she was really little, um, I would do things like give her random topics of, what is a VLAN? She didn't know anything about a VLAN. She didn't even know what a network was. I would give her like a, a document that explained what a VLAN was, told her to go read it and come back with questions. And she would go and read it and she'd come back and ask me all these questions. I'm like, I had never even thought about that. And then there was another scenario where I was actually, I, was, I think I was in the middle of rebuilding a new um, storage array. Um, I think I was doing some Nexenta stuff at the time. And I would whiteboard with her and kind of lay out how I was doing multipathing and making sure there was no failures, you know, all that stuff. I didn't need, it was for my lab, but it was like, you know, I wanted it right. So I would map it out and how the drives were all laid out and make sure they were, you know, across channels on a controller, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was showing it to her and I could have sworn she wasn't paying attention. And she came back like maybe an hour later with this drawing and she was like, does this match what you were just talking about? And it was identical to what I had just explained. Wow. I was like, Oh my Lord, man, this is crazy. But I'm just going down a rabbit hole now, but you you get what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, but this is the, so the, you are a unique 
person. I hear that all the time. So in no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Eccentric is what I hear a lot. That's so right, exactly. Like <laughs> you're you're a little Larry's a little different. No, but yeah, no, it's it literally is that you are unique in the ability to have a deep technical understanding of something and be able to emote the value and, and the way that you achieved it and got there to somebody who doesn't already have that understanding. And it's, and I say that I use the word emote very specifically because that is you, this is what empathy, yeah. there's an empathy, just, you know, slowing down, slowing oh, down doesn't, doesn't make you empathetic. It's understanding the mindset and where people are at, you know, slowing down, the way you speak does not make you empathetic. It just means that you're slowing down. So hopefully they can catch up yes. versus truly, like you said, seeing someone in the grocery store going, Hey, I think they may need, they may need a bigger cart. You know, do yeah. you want me to go grab you a bigger cart? Like, yeah. like literally just the simplest thing. And it's, it's those little things that help you and your ability to then go out and create something that, you are solving a problem that you have, but you're doing it in a way that you know somebody else can just pick this up and they yeah. can either learn from it or run with it and, yeah, and create that feedback. And this is the neat thing too. Like when I, when I create you know, proudly horrible code, I, I'm not, uh, I have no background in computer science. I have nothing. Literally, it's, it's a miracle. I mean, IT sometimes. Yeah, but Only that's not unusual, right? Right. And this is it. You know, it's some of the most, you know, profound, you know, coders that I've met usually come from psychology degrees yes. or almost, arts degrees yes. because they actually know human interaction. Yep. And so if you're building interfaces, the last thing you want is a comp sci grad who has a PhD in, in AI necessarily. Yes. You you want somebody who's got behavioral psychology because yeah. they know how people work. Yeah. If you're doing human computer interaction, this, the human part is the most important part. <laughs> absolutely. And we hear it all the time and you're absolutely right. And that, and it does, you know, ironically, you know, you speak about the psychology part is at one point um, when I was very young trying to figure out what I wanted to do, one of the things that I did explore was going into psychology um, because I always just really was fascinated with, you know, how human interaction, I probably didn't realize it as much then as I do now, you know, the older we get, the more it makes sense, right? Is that the way the human interaction works is, is um, it's very interesting, right? I mean, we all know that that's not anything new, but going back to your point, being able to work with, with people and understand um, on how to, you know, it, you, you've made the comment about chess. It's like you're playing chess with, with the individual or individuals you're communicating with. And a lot of people, and I'll just say, this is probably one of my worst uh, traits is that people get a sense of, Hey, he was talking about this thing and then he switched to completely something else. Is he ever going to come back to that other thing? Because that was what I cared about. And I always do. I say I always do. And I'm sure I've talked to somebody and they're like, yeah, you never answered that real question because I've had people that are like, I asked a question and you gave me all this other stuff. I only wanted the answer. And the reason is, is because I'm looking for different ways to kind of go at different angles because either a, I'm trying to paint a picture of why your question is important to me, but how it applies in other places. Right. 
But the other part is maybe I'm actually trying to search for something else because maybe you asked me a question and it's something I'm trying to figure out on something else. And I know that the question you asked will help me solve another problem, right? So I'm asking all these different angles of questions to try to get to that other place. Um, so, so that's kind of my biggest downfall, but generally, um, I will come back to where I was at and, and my wife gives me hell for it all the time. She's, she's like, I didn't need to know all that. And I'm like, <laughs> well, it's, but this is the neat thing is that you're, you're not doing it to tell you're doing it to ask through, yes. through, sh- through saying, yes. and, I, and it's a weird thing. Like even the way that I teach people to do public speaking, public speaking is not about learning how to do delivery of, of content and using the right voice and right, right. your diaphragm. I don't know any of that stuff. I, but I, and I, the reason why, when I tell people to, you know, what do I do when I'm giving a, you know, a, a talk to whether it's a room of 10 or a room of, of 500, I think right. it's like kind of funny thing is like the, you know, I've, I've spoken to a crowd as large as like 800 people. Yep. And I tell them I'm listening to 800 people from the stage. That's yes. what I'm doing. Cause everything you do has to be interactive. And yes. so you may have a thing that you're doing, but you're creating opportunity for reaction and pivoting like you're constantly measuring yes and you have to do it I st- you can't start with you know you know i've got a question for you and you answer well but i've got a question for you you have to you basically are thinking out loud and yes. along the way you're injecting these moments for interaction yep and that's they can right. be nonverbal. they can and that's really generally what it is which is why so I think personally that is the easiest way to interact because you have immediate reactions. Yes. So here's the hard part, Larry, and this is where I know you, <laughs> how do you interact through code? Because there is, it's yes. like the you know, famous Frank Zappa quote, right? A computer can't tell you a story. What's missing is the eyebrows. Yes. So, so that's a great question. Um, and I have an answer. Um, so there's a couple things. So one of the things that I'll do from a communication perspective in code is put scenarios together, right? Um, you know, kind of walking through kind of logical steppings, but the communication part that I will do generally, and, and I don't do it all the time, but it's specifically if I'm working with people, um, and trying to get them to understand different concepts is I'll inject failures along the way in those scenarios. So they'll come to me with questions, right? And it could be, hey, I wrote a bad line of code and it was intentional. Now we all do it sometimes unintentionally. (laughs) Yeah, right. wink, wink. We all do it intentionally, right, Larry? Everything's always intentional. Exactly. Um, But being able to inject those things where, like I was talking about the version control, intentionally injecting a merge conflict to where they actually have to walk through it. Now it'd be easy because when I, when I was actually putting that portion together was, yeah, it could be great. You could say, Oh, version control is the greatest thing in the world. It's this, this, and this, it's a utopia thing, et cetera, et cetera. And the first time somebody runs in a scenario, anybody that's done version control and you get an emerge conflict, it's a huge puckering event, right? I, it even hits me when I get into it and I'm two hours in, I'm like, Oh my God, I just spent all this time on this stuff. Huh? 
I'm taking this chance. But being able to actually communicate that through code, being able to get them into that place is, is I think another part of the brain that is very interesting, right? Because it is fun to do that. And, and I go back to people that you work with being able to do that. Now, um, I don't necessarily would, I don't normally do that like on normal GitHub projects, but internally when you're trying to train people and get them into the kind of in that comfort zone is being able to inject that, that failure scenario into code. And what I was going to say is, you know, people I've worked with for over, you know, over the years, um, they're, you know, I'll give them like, they're like, Hey, I want to try to figure this thing out. I'm like, here's this kind of little tool. I mean, it could be a vagrant environment or whatever, right? Say, here's this environment, go play with it. And they run in this scenario. And the first thing they'll say is you did that on purpose, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. You laid a little trap there. Yeah, I, I did. But also, um, it can be extended even outside of code, right? Um, I'm notorious for getting on a whiteboard and being the one drawing something on a whiteboard and intentionally add something that I know is not right. Because number one, it tells you if the, if your audience is listening and paying attention, but also to help them identify where, Hey, that doesn't make sense. Right. Why did you put that there? Um, another use case of that is, um, another example is I was working with an individual and he was saying, Hey, we could put all this stuff in a Jenkins pipeline. And I'm like, well, we should use GitLab pipelines. They're much easier. He's like, no, but I'm familiar with Jenkins. I said, okay. So I walked through and I built the whole Jenkins pipeline file config and all that. So it was part of the thing. And then I went to them and I started talking to them. And I said, you know, we got it working, you know, this, this, and this, and this, this is how it looks. Here's what the code looks like, blah, 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 this, this, and this, and this. And about 20 minutes into the conversation, he looks at me, he just started laughing. He goes, you have no intention at all going Jenkins, do you? I'm like, no, I just wanted to show you what it looked like. And he was like, yeah, that's shit. Let's go somewhere else. So, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's all about that communication, right? Hopefully well, that you're, you're sense. bringing them through the experience yes and you're you're creating that in those interaction points because they're and this even when people give technical demos i one of my favorite things to do is to teach how to do technical demos i said because technical demos are like a it's it's like having somebody lay bare their entire environment i said give me five minutes and i'll tell you what infrastructure they run what the biggest problems they have, how yeah. they solve them, what they'd like to learn in the next 30 days, what they think is going to be career defining for them, you know, what their boss doesn't want them to know, you know, like when, yeah. what they don't want their boss to know, like it is literally in five minutes, you can discover the stuff all through simple showing and then quick ask. Right. Yes. Yeah. And not, not doing the thing of like, so does everything make sense so far? And exactly. no, don't ask a yes or no question. It's like, you know, it, it, I tell people, read Chris Voss if you want to learn about technical demos, how he does like negotiation with terrorists. You know, it's That's you right. learn how to do these things of, you know, how do you ask questions which will draw a person, draw a person to what, they re, what you really want them to say without yeah. asking them. Yeah. And it's the more you do this, 
the better you become at creating the initial content because you have it in mind already that, you know, it's just like blogging. When yeah. I, when I blog, people would always ask me like, how do you, what, what goes through your mind when you're blogging? You know, what, what, right. how do you approach it? I said, look, I'll tell you, here's the, it's stupidly formulaic. So imagine there's this problem that's in the industry and it's probably one of the most profound things you bumped into. Now, a lot of people would tackle it in a particular way. And this is actually one of the most common ways. Let's take a look at why that's important. Yep. And I'm like, that's it. You just did it. You just wrote a blog and now like show you, show you, show you, summarize. Yep. It's literally, I've, I've, I saw this funny thing the other day and I, I realized that a lot of people seem to bump into this problem. And this is why. And every single, it's, it's like the f- formula of a joke. Yeah, it's, it is. You can change the, the structure. You can't change the structure. You change the contents to match the structure. And if you use that structure, if you use that teaching method, it is very much like, here's a thing. And you create, you inject a spot where someone's like, hey, I, what happens if you change that? And you, you're like, aha, all right, exactly. cool. Right, that's, and also, what you're, you've actually unlocked a neat thing is that we don't learn when it goes great. No, right? there's there's nothing worse than just having it work. Cause then when it goes to production, I tell people all the time, this is my, you know, inner charity majors. <laughs> if you don't test in production, then you're not testing. That's right. Cause if you, if it just works in development and then it works in QA, then it works in production. Hold on to your ass kids. On <laughs> Friday night, this thing's going to go sideways and you will have is. no idea how to deal with it. Exactly. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's exactly how it goes. And that's why, you know, that, that whole approach is, you know, going back to the version control thing again is, you know, when I started writing it out, I was like, oh, this might be quick, whatever, you know, because I had an agenda, but I didn't really know what the agenda was. Right. Um, Because like I say, I'm not very organized per se, but when you look at it, you're like, well, that was very organized. And it's because I go all over the place. Um, But being able to say I could do this really quick and say everything is great and be done and move on. Or I can actually say it's really great, but let's go through when it goes bad. And what it ended up, it ended up being um, like 19 modules of, for the, for the course of version control. And it's done in a way too. kind of, there's a couple things I want to want to, bring uh touch on that you talked about a second ago is one of the things that i did in 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 this course as well as what you just said was from a technical perspective i didn't want a bunch of pictures i didn't want a bunch of you know slides and things like that i wanted content that was applicable with code blocks and things like that in real scenarios um being able to do that, I think for me, number one, I don't, I hate presentations. Um, two, I hate creating them. I'm terrible at it. It's like creating a web front end. I can't do it. I can't, I'm not a front <laughs> end I can't, I can't put my head around what it takes to do that. I can do all the other stuff, but whatever. Right. Um, but being able to kind of walk through that, but what I ended up with was this large amount of, I'm like, oh, we can do version control in a day. You know, somebody else would be like, well, shouldn't we be able to do version control in an hour? I'm like, no, if you don't understand version control, 
you might as well forget the rest of what I'm going to talk about because the pivot or the um, most important piece of everything else that I'm going to show you relies on version control. And the reason being is if you don't have a good grasp on what version control is, you are going to be in a bad place and give yourself into it. It kind of goes to the card trick. Get comfortable with it. Don't get outside of it. Run into those scenarios where you have a failure and work through it. Don't go, well, yeah, I'm going to do my development over here on the side. And then when I'm done, I'm actually going to paste it into my version control system or into the, the, the repository at locally. Um, and then I'm going to commit those changes. No, do it in the version control. Be done with it. <laughs> That's right. And then, and then the other thing that I wanted to just kind of bring up, you know, you were talking about reading and stuff. Um, I don't read. Um, I can't read. And that's part of, I guess, ADD. I don't know, whatever, or being eccentric. Um, and I, I wish I could. So, so one of those things is I've always encouraged my kids to read as much as possible. Um, because it's one of those things that I've just never been able to do. And the reason I'm bringing that up is my wife was, was, I was showing her some of the content that I've been writing and she's seen it over the years. I used to write cause I'm really bad at like grammar and things like that. So a lot of times I'll have them proof it and say, Oh, you know, yeah, you shouldn't have used that semicolon there or something like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'll, I'll make that change. Um, but she's like, how did this looks really nice how do you do that when you don't read? <laughs> and I think it goes back to being able to like what you were saying about writing a blog post is being able to get your mind. Cause we can't all just sit down. I can't, I can't sit down and say, I'm going to write a blog post. I can't do it. I have to do 10 other things to get my mind in the right place to actually be able to write. And then once I'm in that zone, then I can just write. It basically it, just, I, I tell people it explodes out of you. Like it that's, does. Uh, you don't, you don't sit down and said today, I'm going to write a perfect blog post. Nah. You're just like, you just hit a point where you're like, ah, I would just got to, you just, you just start and yeah. it flows. And if it doesn't, you can't create it. It's, uh, it's not, it, unless like there are people that are legitimate writers and I'm so proud of people oh, who absolutely. can do that. And it's same as like front end. Like you talk about that as an, I'm terrible at front end yeah. development. But when I see an amazing front end, I oh, know, I know it. why it works. Yeah. I know what makes it amazing. Yeah. I, I do photography, not by, like, I don't have a camera. I've got an iPhone. And yep. I get people always ask, like, you really did a great job of, like, framing it. And I said, well, just because I know what I like. like yes. And I can tell you that it's yay or nay. And I, the reason why I don't get into photography is because I don't want to learn about f-stops and ISOs. Exactly. Look, I know the theory of all of that. Yep. But I never, I don't want to have to know it. So I'm dyslexic. This is yeah. one of the funny things. So you and I have probably the, you're we're the greatest examples of how to turn dyslexia <laughs> and ADHD into yeah. a career path. Yep. And I I should be careful. I always say that because I definitely don't want to make light of the challenges that people face with concentration with ADHD. No, absolutely. But, but there was no ADHD drugs when I grew up. My nope. ADHD drug was my mom saying, get out there and climb a tree. Yes. Like do, and get I hurt. learned, I learned <laughs> compensating things yep. in order to get through the fact I became a very good early reader because I was frustrated 
by it. So I threw myself into it and I ended up in doing like attacking things full force. And then it taught me the compensating factors and, and it's, so I think without that, I wouldn't be where I am and, and be able to do the things I do today. If I didn't have the, you know, dyslexia and, and, and this, these issues that brought me here. So the, it's really interesting. The point of it is that I think that even though you acknowledge you're like, Hey, look, I'm, I, I don't read. So I led to learn how to write by knowing what I, if I can read something and it just works, then you can, you can emulate that. And then it's really what it is. We are yeah. just, we are emulators and, and great emulation is what makes us seem better at it than others because yeah. there's always somebody that did something before us and we can emulate it. And that's what Absolutely. I do. That's like my surviving thing. Nothing I do is original. No, exactly. <laughs> I, get, I, I say it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's yeah, the I'm, thing, Larry, you've, you've got something that again, you're, you're also one of the more profoundly humble people that I know. And this is what makes you so good at like giving you, you receive through giving. And it's a, yeah, it's a treat that I always say that I, I am not the things that I do well. I will be defined by what I help other people to do well. Yes. And that's, that's my goal is that the greatest thing that I ever achieve will be helping somebody achieve the greatest thing in their life. And, yes. and it's you, this is why community is code as a concept is also, it's not, it's the fact that you give so much. And I think that actually you probably find a a self-definition in a lot of what you do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's a, and that's a great point because um, I don't, you know, going back to the comment I made, but my blogging has been very minimal over the last couple of years, but my, like you look at my GitHub and it's like, holy crap, there's all kinds of stuff out here. And I'll be honest, people probably don't even use that much of it. I don't, that doesn't bother me. It's there if they want to use it. And it's inspiring to me when I get an email, I'll get up in the morning and I'll have an email, personal email, because I leave my email address on my GitHub. And it's because I want feedback. It's part of that feedback loop, right? It's not, hey, I'm putting this out here because it's great. I'm putting it out there because I, it was useful to me. And generally when I'm working on something new, the first thing I do is put it in code because I want to repeat it. I don't want to do things manual. I don't do anything manual anymore for the last three, four years. Everything is automated from the beginning. I don't care what it is. I do it because number one, you will learn new things. Number two, you actually understand how, well, kind of going to the part of learning new things is you will understand how those components actually interact versus going, here's a guide that tells me step one, two, three, four, and that's what I'm gonna do, and then it blows up in your face. You've worked through those scenarios and said, oh, that failed on that. Or here's how you can do this a little bit different. And then, oh, I did this, that applied over there on this other thing, let me go look at that. So what I was getting at from, from getting like personal email is that I will get questions, and, and we all do, I know, in the, especially in the community, um, I love when I get an email from someone or a comment on GitHub or things like that. I mean, we, I don't get a lot of comments on my blog. 
Um, because like I say, most of that content, um, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant. It's just, there's so much content that already exists. That's way better than what I had put out there, um, around virtualization and things. Um, that email that I'll get is, Hey, I've got this scenario that I've ran into, um, from an automation perspective or coding or whatever it might be. And I'm not quite able to figure this out. And I know that they could easily go to Reddit or something like that and post that. And you know how that's just going to blow up in their face too. (laughs) Especially if you're talking Linux stuff, you're like, I've got this problem. Yes. Uh, How do you do this in CentOS? Use Ubuntu like a real developer would. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's a good point because I forced myself to use all of them. I use Alpine, I use CentOS, I use Fedora, I use Ubuntu, I use Debian, I use blah, 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 blah. I tell people all the time, it's like, it's like if you go into a, you know, a Chevrolet forum and said like, Hey, I've got, I've got my, uh, you know, my Chevy and, and this is the problem I've got. Anyway, know how to fix that? Well, if you drove a Mustang, you wouldn't have this problem, right? <laughs> like it's, this is the most terrible way to interact with somebody. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times the putting yourself and laying yourself bare does open you up to the tough part of society that thrives on on creating interaction through negativity they yes you know forget that rising tide lifts all boats if you poke a hole in everybody else's boat your boats just got bigger right yep. like that's that's what some people think like they're like yep. the the what is it they say the the path forward is lit by the bridges i've burnt behind me <laughs> exactly 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 yeah it's crazy how we all think right but yeah that's that's what i was you know just just with that is you i love you, that you want a, a very important thing that we we all we all need a little boost and yes. that little boost can be as simple as someone saying thank you right yeah. i i appreciate this and i tell people when you see when you go to a public speaking event or or a set, whatever like just rush the stage even if you don't have a question just say hey thank you right yeah. that's just that moment of because in those interactions then can sit like, Hey, but I got one more question. Yeah. And then that creates for that speaker, for that creator, they have their next talk yes. right there. You just, you just gave them something and you can ultimately be a part of through interacting with GitHub and yeah. community and, and this and that, like, look, there's thousands of ways to interact. Absolutely. And you know, another thing too, that, that I've done um, that, that I find effective, at least for me, is number one, um, the number one, I want to say thank you that it's apparent that I'm very humble. I, I take, <laughs> I'll say I'm, I'm very proud of myself for being very humble. Um, <laughs> the ultimate um, irony. Yeah, yeah, because my kids always say, Daddy, you're so arrogant. I'm like, no, I'm not. Is this one of those, I was raised in a military family, whatever, right? It's, but, um, being able to be in a crowd, like you're saying, like um, maybe you're in the middle of a meeting or whatever, and there's a question that's asked. Don't be the one that says, oh, I got the answer and I'm going to be the only one to give the answer. And this is what it's going to be. Right. Let someone else answer it. Or how about this? I've done this for years is especially if you're on a conference call, this is very effective. We all have chat programs. We have Slack. We have all these different communication platforms. If you're on a conference call, and there's a question and this doesn't matter who it I've done it with peers. I've done it with management. I've done it with executives, no matter who's on the call. 
let the other person be the one to answer the question. And if we have, and what the importance of the communication platform is, send them a message. Say, hey, ask this question. Or, hey, maybe answer with this and see what the feedback is, right? Bring those up around you. Give them the confidence to be able to ask the questions because back to what you're saying, like in a crowd, a lot of people are afraid to ask a question because they don't want to found, sound dumb, right? I mean, not to use that term in a negative way. But no, but that, that, that's truly, it yeah. is the, it's a phrase we know because we, yes. we, we all feel it. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing of, um, you know, being able to ask that question and feel confident that you're asking the question. So what I'll do is I'll usually observe the surrounding the people that are around and try to observe as much as I can based off body language. Right. And what I'll do is I'll generally try to say, okay, maybe I know the answer. I'm not going to give it, but maybe so-and-so maybe has a question that is the precursor to the answer. Does that make sense? No, hundred percent. It's your creating interaction opportunities. Yes. I'll ask that question because I think that might be a question that the other people in the room might actually have. I'll say, what about this? And they're like, you know, why is that important? That's like one-on-one, right? No, we want to know somebody in this room has that question. Um, so and it also, what it does without, if everybody sits there and they're nodding inside their own head, yes, like they already know the answer, Number one, like you said, uh, some people don't know the answer and it would be good to ask. But what's more important is that you're setting the framework for other people to ask freely. Yes. And that is the most important thing. A meeting is not a talk track. A meeting is a discussion, a collaboration yes. thing. Thank people you. always ask me, they're like, you must love meetings. I said, no, I hate meetings. I love collaboration. Yes. Meetings are not collaboration natively. We have to create it. And it even, it's the simplest thing is starting with a, with a, a quip, get people to l- loosen up Yes. and then ask a question yeah. and collab, you know, col- you know, congratulate somebody when they say something like, Hey, that's, that's a really great question. Yeah. And then and, f- and answer it. it and, and like truly, like you said, mean it. I love it. Yes. It's, this is not, I, I sort of joke sometimes. I, there's two things I tell people all the time and it's, I feel horrible that I say it, but I'm like, I, it's, uh, I'm not being scientific about it in that I want to use these phrases. Number one, that's a great question. Yes. And I ask all the time because it actually does raise people up. And I, yes. I say when you're doing it, like I present to analysts all the time and they'll say, they'll ask a question like, oh, how do, how do you do this? Oh, that's a great question. And, and I'll tell you why it's important right. and then go into it. Because you're, you're acknowledging the question, you're acknowledging that it has something that will lead you to not only answering the question, but why is it important? Yes. And then the other one is I always say, I never ask a question that I don't already know the answer to. And I don't mean that as an arrogant thing. Right. I mean yep. that I have an answer that is a hypothesis. Yes. I want to ask a question and validate whether, yes. not whether I'm right. Nope. I don't seek being right. I seek the right answer. I'm yes. happy to be wrong. My favorite thing to be is wrong, where I'm like, dang, I'll never say Agreed. that wrong thing again. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, you, you've hit on so many things. Yes. I mean, that's, that, that I, I could not agree more. It's not about validating yourself because you need to be like the smartest one in the room. 
it's validating because number one, have I been doing it the right way? Right. It's validating whether the collaborative group agrees with the route that maybe you've presented. Right. And uh, oftentimes we all hear, especially us. I mean, I get, keep going back to, we're not getting any younger. As a matter of fact, my birthday's in two weeks. So, um, <laughs> um, I am not afraid to say I've done this the wrong way for the last 10 years, or I'm not afraid to say I've done this wrong for the last six months. If somebody's got a better answer or a better idea, I'm all for it. And it's not for, Oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. It's let's play this out and see how it goes and see whether what I've been doing for the last six months is the wrong path. And being able to do that, number one, I mean, we have to be, we have to be willing to be wrong. And I would rather, to your point, be wrong most of the time than being right, because then I'm learning, right? Because I'm not going to be wrong a second time. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, exactly. That's it's the point. The old, it's the thing that I, I, I've made horrific mistakes in production yes. environments. Yep once yeah, exactly <laughs> and my my manager one time i had something that happened and i was like i literally had like i, I made a mistake and yeah. i just like i stood up and i i literally did a lap around the floor i'm like all right what do i do now right yeah. i had to take a moment think and you literally had this inner struggle of do i try and like undo it exactly do i ask for help and you're and so 20-year-old me would try and undo it and hide it from having happened in the first place. <laughs> However old I am now version of me is, I'm like, guys, guys, come check this out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I will gather a crowd going, look what I just did. Holy shit. This, <laughs> yeah. could, this could take it all out. Yeah, and yeah. because so what I did was I actually went and I phoned you know, a colleague who, and I said, so I just did this. And I'll tell you why, but I want you to know, and I want you to help me to make sure that this doesn't, you know, and he says, well, thank you for admitting that this just happened. Yes. And I said, this is how it happened. I was, I was using two windows, one in prod, one in dev, thought yep. I was working in dev, made the change, went back, double checked. I'm like, that's weird. Why is it not showing up? Refresh, 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 go back to my dev window and see no command. I'm like, oh, Damn it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so we, we went into like mini war room mode and yep. everything luckily was okay. And the funny thing was we had actually been pouring over this, like, can we do this change? Or like, I don't know, the risk could be too great. We have to delay it. Let's wait a month. Let's do evaluations. Instead, I'm just like, yeah, done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, I'm the same way, man. Uh, yes. But it's the reason why I bring that is, and I think the old, like say 20 year old me would not have had the, the humility yes. to be proudly wrong. <laughs> Current me, super excited about being wrong. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. You brought up a couple things again. And, and, and if you need to cut me off, let me know. Um, but I want to give two examples. Um, I'm going to give one because I think it's more important. Um, you, you brought up a good point in what we were talking about, not being the one to give the answer all the time. We were talking about that. 
I remember a few years ago, um, I won't say where it is, um, but I was working at um, a, a major um, retail company and it was the night before Black Friday and um, one of our engineers, they had a massive Citrix environment. Um, we were using Citrix net scalers and things like that. He wiped the configs on the net scalers. Well, nobody had a backup. Nobody had backups. Nobody had snapshots, et cetera. They were all VMs. Um, we got, everybody was on a big powwow for hours, hours on Thanksgiving. And I personally knew how to fix the Netscalers. Now, one would argue, and trust me, I had this conversation with management afterwards. One would argue that you should have stood up because it could have saved a lot of time. I used it as a learning experience for the engineer that made the mistake. And what we did was sat on the call. I continued on the conference call making turkey and all the things um, for Thanksgiving. And the individual was basically just completely flustered, right? Panic mode because there's all this management, the C-level execs were on the call. They were like, holy crap, what are we going to do? We're going into Black Friday. We're not going to be able to, you know, our, our, uh, our um, you know, stores aren't going to be able to actually process anything, et cetera, et cetera. And he's going through all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there just kind of going with the flow, just listening, not speaking up. Um, he went through it and he would send me messages and he would say, I'm really stuck. What can I do? And I would give him pointers. I wouldn't give him the answer. I would give him pointers on the right route to go to get to where he needed to be. And he would get a little more confidence and then he would speak up on the call. I think I'm getting somewhere, et cetera. It was never announced that, oh, Larry's helping me, right? Because that, no, don't do that, right? Do, do what you got to do and work towards getting that thing back up. Well, it got to a point where he was just like completely flustered and Basically, a, no offense, a grown man in tears because he could not figure it out. And it was where the anxiety level had completely overwhelmed him. At that point, again, going back to being able to identify in the right scenario, at that point, when I realized he is about to go off a cliff, right? I spoke up and said, let me take a look and see if I can help get us through this. And believe it or not, five minutes later, all the stores were back up. I immediately got a phone call from management and said, you knew the answer the whole time. And I said, yes, I did. And this kind of goes to the admitting you're wrong or right or whatever. Yes, I knew the answer. And I knew how to get us out of that. But he needed to understand in a scenario in which there was a lot of pressure on how to handle the pressure, on how to handle his communication, and also at the same time being able to be technically sound in what he was trying to solve. And taking that exercise through that, you know, was an eye-opener for a lot of things, right? Was the eye-opener was the 
the individual realized they could not handle the pressure um, and wanted to know how to get better at it. So actually, I started working with that individual on coaching and things like that on, on kind of, you know, people panic and pressure. I actually do my best work when I'm under pressure because I'm not, admit, I'm not afraid to admit I'm wrong. I'm not in wrong or afraid to say, I don't know. Um, and being able to say my brain goes into give me more when you're in that moment. Does that make sense? As somebody who thrives on failure. Yes. Uh, it, that, well, that's the, the harder things are, the more, or the more calm I get. And I, that's yes. why I was really good at production support because literally the world could be scorched earth burning around you. And I'd be like, hold my beer. We got this. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we literally feel more calm and it, it's because you know, you've, I had learned how to deal with failure by exhausting failure until the right answer is discovered. And yes. that's really what it is, is, and it, it became the thing of learning how to embrace wrongness because yeah finding all the wrong answers. It's the Sherlock Holmes thing. When you remove all of the possible answers, then the only the impossible remains and therein lies the truth. Exactly. It, it's the thing of going through and being able to accept that I'm going to try things and you start to think out loud, you start to collaborate. Yep. It's really, I call it, I called it uh, infrastructure therapist there because I could go through, when you go to a therapist for help, they don't tell you the answer. They make you ask the right questions of yourself until yes. you discover the answer. And this is what we do, you know, and, uh, and also one of my favorite comics ever on earth, which I, I don't even know if they still make it. There's a comic called Mr. Boffo. And it's a guy <laughs> sitting, sitting on a, on a, on a therapist couch and says, my friends all think I'm crazy. And the therapist says, why don't you kill them? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, they don't give you answers. So when you, when you're there, in the throes of everything is failing. It's, there's a movie called January Man and my favorite line ever, ever he says, you know, trying to explain to somebody that I, I do this thing. And they're like, I don't understand why you like what you do. He says, you don't get this. I run into fucking burning buildings when people yeah. are running out. Yep. This yep. is what I do. And being able to, like you said, you gave that person an incredible strength by letting them reach the cliff. Yes. And then only then giving them the net because he had to know, or he or she had to know that this is a real end of my rope. Yes, and absolutely. I, and so then when you come in, cause if you had come in early saying, look, I can handle this. Right. If you all want help, I'll take this. It disarms everybody. They don't, they immediately want to default to, well, let's just unload it on Larry. Exactly. And you can't do that. You, you, it's the, you know, the medical terms, they call it C1, was it C1, do one, teach one. Yeah. Right. You, you have to, they have to, they're sitting and they're observing. Then they're trying to do, they do the thing and then they teach. This is what it is. You, at some point in your career, were that person. Absolutely. And this is what we all have to remember. And that somewhere in your career, in your life, 
you were the person you are in front of right now. That's right. And what would today you do for then you to let yourself know that it's going to be okay? That's exactly right. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we all get into those scenarios and my wife's like, why are you so, you know, wound up today? And you make the comment, everything around me is burning, right? Nothing, everything I touch. I was in the scenario a couple of weeks ago. Everything I touched, everything was breaking. It didn't matter what it was. Did it affect anybody? No, because it was all development, but it was everything. It didn't matter what I touched. It was that failed here. This failed there. Um, you know, it didn't matter what it was. You get flustered, but it's a part of the thinking out loud process, right? Being able to understand um, why those things are um, falling apart and, um, you know, not being able to, to, to be able to get through it. And the, the thing that I still, I, and I, I remind you all this, like, you know, you and I, you, you have, you've done so much for me, whether you even realized it or not through our time together. And what's cool is that I know that you have those moments and we don't always share those moments. And sometimes it's tough, right? Cause like, like people always say like, Oh, you must be so good. You're like, you yeah, like exactly. this, you like this, but they're like, no, no, you understand. There are multiple points in my day yeah. where my wife is like, you are, you're, you're being really negative right now. I'm like, yes. cause it's just, and there are like, I'll be, have a really good run and I'll yep. do something. And then I'll be trying to work on what is the seemingly most simple thing, but it's not, <laughs> it's you know, whatever ass. it is, I'm trying <laughs> to do something and it doesn't work. And I lose track of myself. Yes. And I literally just get like, you just, you start your teeth. You're like, of course it doesn't work. You failure. Like you just like, <laughs> you just get, you get stuck and you're like, yep. and that's why we collaborate. Yes. Because like, and if you can't collaborate with others because you're working on a standalone project that's just you and you're stuck, get get up, yep, and walk yeah. or walk away from it. Yep. Oh, I agree 100. percent And that you're absolutely right. I mean, that goes back to what I was saying earlier too. Kind of that whole, you know, the, the how we, you know, identify people as oh they're always successful because they do all this stuff, right? And it's yeah, you do all this stuff, but the the parts that you don't see are the parts that you struggled with and we all struggle and that's the point is being able to un understand and we're terrible i can sit here again just like i was saying like and you validated as well we all have those days where it doesn't matter what you're doing and it's the easy thing and it just pisses you off for the whole day we're all the same right but being able to know who you can collaborate with is very important and, but the problem becomes, who do I collaborate with, right? Because you get into this mode of, or this world of, you know, doing all this stuff and it's like, oh, you know, you go Google this thing and it's all that. Who can I call? You don't know. Because going back to being able to kind of go ahead and then step back, like I say, over the last year or so, get back into the normal of, hey, this stuff is starting to be relevant now, you know? Um, now you've got people you can actually collaborate on or collaborate with and be able to go, oh, now I can go finish what I had started working on five years ago, right? So, it, yeah, we're all the same. 
it's all of the, you know, the, the whole thing of being able just to identify and we all struggle with the same thing. You said in a point of peace and I know you run, I wish I could, but you know, there's a reason I look like I do and the reason you look like you do. Right? <laughs> you know, well, Hey, it, so here's the, th- this is the one thing and I, and I, and, Ned, I, and Ned's the same way. And I'll probably be bringing that up here in another hour or so. So <laughs> it's a good example. And, and, the, and I use this all the time. People ask me this said, you're a runner. I'm like, no, no, I'm just a guy who runs. Yeah. I'm not a runner. Like I don't train to run. Right. Like I, I'm the worst runner. I, and in fact, I, same as my cycling, like I, I cycle a yeah. reasonable amount more than, more than a, than a normal regular person would and yep. probably think is normal, <laughs> exactly. but, but I don't at the same time, I don't follow a regimen. I don't train. I don't like, I know how the science of it all works, but I just do it because I kind of needed to prove to myself that I could do it. Yep. And the funny thing was how I got into riding with, I used to ride with a team when I lived in Vancouver, BC. Right. And, and I was humbled by how strong the riders were there. And so, because I knew I couldn't, you know, necessarily finish strong or, or win or whatever, right. like I was, just wasn't me. What I did was I supported the team. And so my team tactic was fairly simple. I ride so hard that I make people wish that they were dead and then they (laughs) fail to finish the race because I beat them so hard and I don't finish the race because I know I'm not going to, and that's fine. But the three people on my team that are the strongest riders sit in the middle of the bunch so that they have the strength saved up to finish strong. And I think that is the tactic that I, the reason why I run and why I go to conferences and I do these running is not because I'm a runner. I only run when I'm at conferences. I literally never run any other time. The reason I do that is because I want to give people that they know, hey, there's a reason to do it. And I'm going to do it for 5K. It's not too long. I'm going to do it at at a conversational pace. I can run fast and look admittedly like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm humble about the fact that I'm not a runner, but I also know that I'm, I've built myself up athletically enough to that. I can, I can, I can bang out a pretty rapid exactly. 5k. Exactly. But the point of doing those things is entirely so that I can let somebody else know, Hey, I can do this too. Exactly. And I'll hold your beer while you're doing that. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Larry, you have, I, I think if I could, tell people of what they need to do, follow your GitHub. And this is one thing I've actually learned. I do a lot more now as I, I watch the GitHub uh, stream yes. and I, I see people and they're like forking projects like mad fools. It's like, it's phenomenal. But I've, I go digging through that now. I'm like, Ooh, actually that's kind of a neat thing. Scott Bollinger yeah. is another one. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Scott's just, yep. a, such he's awesome. Such a good human. I've never met Scott and, in person, but um, uh, yeah. and it's somebody Scott is like this ethereal, amazing person that just does so much. He contributes so much online. He's got this incredible following. And then I've been lucky enough to, I know Scott and his wife and, and, yeah, I, and awesome. we, we meet every time I'm in Las Vegas, we meet for dinner. Uh, it's a, a sort of a tradition of every conference, which, you know, I imagine it won't happen this year, sadly, because yeah, exactly. the, the world's changing, but Hey, so that's it. The world is going digital and yeah. we need to collaborate in different ways. We need to share in different ways and we're not alone. Even exactly. if you're sitting in your house, and you, you can't go to a conference and you can't do the thing. There are other ways to interact. So you and I will be talking actually more in future about 
Yeah. Uh, I've actually got a, a neat project I'm working on. Yep, I was going uh, to ask you about that again as you, well. Yeah. You've got uh, you've got some. You've always got stuff that's on the go, which is exciting. So, we'll we'll kind of get in. I want to talk. I'll talk in future about this. This neat thing called Rapid Matter that I'm doing, and I totally yeah. stole it from R- Renee Vandenbedem. Uh, Renee is phenomenal. Again, yeah. one of those people that I'm like. I, I stand next to greatness and, and I hope some of it rubs off, which is why I hang out with you and, and with. Oh, and likewise, with, man. You know, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing because even to just witness the way people do things can be a little of it does actually, you know, come through osmosis. So it's, sure. it's important. Um, so for folks, again, that do want to find you, Larry, uh, I could literally talk all day with you. I thought this has been, this has been fun because I think we really explored the topics of this is, it's not easy, but it is. Yeah. It's there, there are definitely so many great tools and techniques that we've uncovered here. And, and I think when people listen to it, it's fun because they're like, ah, I get that. I experienced that. And that's really what it is, is, is we, we will live the experiences for you. I tell people, I automate the stuff that sucks so you can automate the things that matter. That's and- <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that's right. So yep. where do we find you online? Uh, first of all, one of the best blog names ever. I, I, I do, I do get that. So, uh, um, but your, uh, everything should be virtual.com, right? Yep. Yep. And of course you are Mr. Uh, yeah. This is the, always the fun part. Uh, I, I'm not a, I'm a Canadian, so we yeah. don't do the junior thing. And I, I did, I don't know how many people I know that are like, you know, Thurston Howell the third. I didn't, I thought that was just like a Richie Rich thing to do. They're like, no, most people actually have the same name as their parents. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yep. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's at Mr. Ellie Smith Jr. And that's just my name, Larry E. Smith Jr. <laughs> nice. Very, very simple. I, I, you know, I'm not very creative. So, you know, it, well, it you broke the is. chain. You're, you, you, unless one of your daughters is named Larry, you, nope, there's no exactly. more. That's it. You can't be, nope. there's no third. There's only nope. a second. It ends with me too. Cause yep. I have all, all girls and my sister has all boys. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. Yep. You guys split yep. right across the middle there. You can, maybe sure you could swap one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I don't think she Dude. wants any of mine and I don't know that I want any of hers. So. <laughs> <laughs> So for folks, definitely follow Larry. Uh, while he he may not tweet much, what he does say is important. Uh, and what he does do is he creates incredible code and he collaborates and he will teach you things, whether you realize it or not, and you will learn things in, invariably. Uh, and yeah, watch this space. We, we got a lot of really cool stuff that's yeah, coming we do. up. Yep, we sure do. Awesome. Larry, thank you very much. And of course, for folks, please do, if you like this kind of stuff, do go and smash the like button, hit the five stars, whatever it is. If you could actually, if you subscribe, it actually helps us to keep our, our accounts up. We get a sense of who's actually uh, keeping uh, in tune with the stuff that we're doing here at the podcast. Uh, big shout out, of course, to Angelo Luciani, who is uh, helping Hello. me out on on the back end and, and social media and, and organizing stuff. He again, a, a picture of, of, of a community leader and somebody that re- truly gives back. Um, so yeah, if you give us ratings, it helps us to get, get, uh, get up in, in the, uh, in the search. And of course, then more people hear great conversations like that. With that, thank you very much. And, uh, we'll see you all on the next show. All right. Thank you, Eric. Mm-hmm.